Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Versology and today I am so happy and pleased to be joined with my man, my friend Cooper, the only other Arab in this club and we're ready to dive into some Arabic poetry. Hey Cooper. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum. Hala hala hala. Mashallah, mashallah, ya akhi, mashallah. Yeah man, you're ready to, to dive into the man, the myth, the legend, Nizar Qabbani? Amin. Let's get it. Oh, wait, before we do, we should definitely talk about um, who the man is. And I think you are definitely more qualified than I am to give that biography. So please take it away. Yeah. yeah. So Nazar Kabbani, for anybody that doesn't uh, know him, he's a very famous uh, Arabic uh, poet. He's from Syria. He's a Syrian poet. Uh, and he was also a diplomat at, at some of the most hated times in the Middle Eastern region. So in the, the middle of the 20th century till the late 20th century, he was very well known. And his poetry stood out because it uh, it mainly concerned itself with erotic, romantic themes, but also embraced, you know, like some political issues, things that are that and also using a lot of eloquent language. He stood out like in in these heated times as, as a very unique poet. Uh, yeah. And he's a very what? interesting character. Yeah, yeah. Do you know anything else about him? Uh, I know one thing, but it's super sad, and it's gonna bring down the topic of the of the podcast. So let's just jump right into the poem. Yeah, <laughs> let's go. All right. The poem starts with Rasaili ilayki. My letters to you. Are greater and more important than the both of us. Light is more important than the lantern. The poem more important than the notebook. And the kiss more important than the lips. My letters to you are greater and more important than both of us. They are the only documents where people will discover your and my madness. <clears throat> so, first things first, it is, it is a beautiful poem. Um, when you read it in English, it doesn't really have the same kind of pull that it does in Arabic because it is an Arabic poem. Um, but the first thing that needs to be said is it's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, regarding the the meaning of the poem, uh, Ijam, what do you think this poem means to you? Um, I think this poem means to me that he tries, and it's so it's so effortless for him to show this, to show mm. how how uh, different his love is. He like mm. he doesn't go into grand topics or something that's very you know dramatic or romantic, but it mm. still is very it's, it's it's very distinct and it has some panache to it. it has it has a punch to it. He goes mm. something as simple as a letter, my letters to you, something which is you know like between lovers. It's very commonplace, right? Mm. It's like like yeah. every every lover like they exchanged letters or some correspondence. Exactly. But yeah, he, like um, look at Johnny Cash's letters um, to you know the love of his life. That which museum like they're heralded as some of the greatest literary works in history, you know. And as opposed to 
you know, Nizar's work, it's filled with these fantastical descriptions of their love, their connection. But what sets Nizar apart is his ability to just condense all of that, but still retain its emotional brilliance. Mm. You know, yeah, yeah, like yeah. when I read this poem, what I immediately feel, what I think is that he condensed love down. You know, he basically spoke to what love is because it is simple. You know, love as a concept, as a phenomenon is easy to understand. You know, it's it's one thing. And the fact that he managed to articulate that so poetically and eloquently, which, as you just said, you know, with what seems like minimal effort is is astounding. Right. And I think I, I think the reason for that is also part with his brilliance and his artistry, but also part in in, in the mode that he's in, that the Arabic mm. language in of it itself is very concise to those who, who know it or try to know it at Definitely. least. It's very concise Definitely. and it's very articulate. Uh, I mm. think I read somewhere that uh, Arabic as a language has more than 15,000 words to describe different things, which is like five, mm. like three times as much as Hebrew and five mm. times as much as English, like just distinct words. To, to, it, to yeah, exactly. Because like Arabic, like following on from your point, Arabic, it's a beautiful language, but I think one of the things that sets it apart as a language is its emphasis on sound, you know, because like, as you said, like there are all these different words that basically mean the same thing, mm. but what actually sets them apart in the script is how you say it, you know? And I think that that emphasis on sound affecting meaning and symbolism is what makes it such a beautiful language in poetry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Correct. Mm. Like that uh, onomatopoeia, if, if you will, that thing mm. that makes sound distinct to us, especially in, in Arabic, it has that sort of touch, like it touches you uh, on, mm. on a different level. Even like mm. as, as we're reciting it, the English tends, as you said before, it tends to lose some of that, uh, some of exactly. that emotive power with mm. with with more uh, with more words mm. to say to say that to mean the, to mean the same things. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you find anything uh, in the poem that uh, you particularly like that caught your eye? Maybe a stanza or a couple words. Um, I think okay. This is gonna sound silly, but oh, oh, did we actually mention the name of the poem in the first place? Uh, I think we didn't. The poem is named. The light is more important than the lantern. Yeah, there we go. That is what I guess meant the most to me, you know, Um, because like, as I said prior, you know, the poem does an amazing job of just condensing everything in really simple terms. And I think that's what really resonated with me, you know, the ability to admire what's actually important and not really think about what's surrounding it, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think the analogy of light and the lantern and the love between two people as opposed to the two people themselves, I think that's profound. And it really did strike a chord with me. Uh, what about you, though? Yeah, I, I like the... That's the, that's very articulate what you mentioned, but I like the, the recurring theme that he states is the message is more important than the vessel that it's in. So it's, I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's the heart of the message itself rather than the actual, 
you know, mode that it's being delivered in. And he even and he even mentions mentions that in a poem book. So he says the poem more important than the notebook. So mm. he, he's trying to kind of highlight the main thing that's, that actually is the cause of the thing existing. So the notebook wouldn't exist without a poem. So the poem mm. is uh, is the basis. And the same thing, he, he compares it to that the, the kiss itself, the idea of itself, the love is more important than, than the physical or the tangible part of it. So that really, mm. you know, uh, struck a chord with me. Mm. The thing is, I love, I love that you brought that up um, because I think that this poem itself is extremely relevant to the times that we live in now in this like, you know, modernistic society, mm. because a key thing that a lot of us kind of struggle with, especially with, you know, social media and the internet and like advertising mm. um, is the fact that we're kind of bombarded with a lot of complications with all of this extra stuff that we don't necessarily need. And this poem kind of emphasizing and reveling in the beauty of simplicity, you know, and the beauty of the things that actually matter is, is interestingly relevant. Mm. Um, yeah. Like what, what do you think? Um, <laughs> you're grasping at straws or what do you think? <laughs> no, no, I, I get what you mean. Uh, but also the, the 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 idea that the theme contrasts mm. with today's like uh, modern love, if you will, mm. or mm. Like, no, I see what you mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and love in the twenty first century is that it's like in the poem he tries to highlight how selfless it is. If you notice, mm. so if he said he says that my letters to you are greater and more important than both of us. That, that could, if somebody today who's in love reads that, he might seem that doesn't make much sense. Like he, he contrasts with how uh, selfish love is today that it's, oh, it's me. I am mm. so important as a person, as a human. And that other person is also important. But Nazar, what he's trying to say is that mm. his love that he's describing in this, in this lovely short poem is mm. so strong of an event. It's such... Uh, it's such a showcase that it transcends personality, mm. it transcends uh, the self and identity or something that might seem, uh, you know, selfish nowadays compared to his love. Well, mm. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think I think that's beautiful. And that was like very eloquently put. Big ups to you. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think that that is, I think it's extremely profound mm. because like, as you said, it does contrast with a lot of the love that we see today, you know, um, in the sense that, you know, we, we live in a culture where the individual is the priority, you know, mm-hmm. and the fact that, as you eloquently put that Nizam is, is Nizar, sorry, <laughs> is contrasting that and he's arguing against that by saying that like, no, that isn't the most important thing. The most important thing is the connection that the people have, you know, when they put aside their individuality, when they put aside that selfishness, as you put, and just focus on the root thing, which is the bond between people. Right. Yeah. That's fantastic. And I think that that's what we think is the main theme of the, uh, Mm. of the poem. But of course, anybody that reads it will, will get a different idea from it. That's what poetry is. It's, it's made to to go in that in that nether region where you don't know 
what things are exactly. It's not definite. And that, I think, is what makes it uh, amazing. I just wanted to say that it reminds me a little bit of a, of a, of a poem from Shakespeare. It's a sonnet, uh, mm. sonnet 116, where it's, uh, let me not to the marriage of true minds admit impediments, love is not love. But then he goes mm. on to say, uh, love alters not with its brief hours and weeks, but bears it out even to the edge of doom. And then he, 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 he says something remarkable that, rem- that uh, echoes the last three lines of uh, Nazar's uh, poem. Mm. If this be error and upon me prove, I never writ nor no man ever loved. He kind of makes this, uh, this resemblance with that the act of him writing is so mm. grand and he's writing about his love for it to be timeless. So he's, mm. uh, he's saying that to make it something that stands against time. And, and he also mentions that uh, Nazar, uh, they are the only documents where people will discover your beauty and my madness. So I, I like how they're trying to preserve something uh, that is going to end sometime. Beautifully put. And yeah, very fascinating. Um, what's the term? Analogy? Mm, uh, yeah. yeah, it's pretty great. But I do, just before we like wrap up, um, I, I have to disagree with you on what you said earlier mm. regarding, you know, when people do read these poems, because poetry is a subjective art, that people will come to different conclusions. Right. I don't think that would be the case with this poem. And I think it speaks to Nizar's brilliance in the sense that it's clear what is being said and it's clear how it wants to make you feel you know Mm -hmm. um so yeah no i think it and as i said before it's testament to his brilliance that you can take an art that is inherently subjective and make it purely objective Mm. and it's fantastic and i do want to thank you again on air uh for introducing (laughs) me to him because he's it's fascinating work and it truly is like a marvel because you know, as sad as it is to say, um, I'm not that well-versed in Arabic poetry. Yeah. You know, in spite of what I just said in the beginning, being it's the best language for poetry. Right, right. So, yeah, you know, any opportunity to learn about, you know, brilliant Arab poets is is welcome. So, yeah, yeah thank you again. Yeah, man. No, anytime, man. And honestly, like, even when I first discovered uh, uh, Nazar when I was a little bit younger, I was just fascinated with his with his ease. Mm. Like every mm. poem that I read was different than the one before. So you could never like expect or anticipate what is he going to talk about next? Because he's, he's not really a, uh, an old poet. He's not from a different uh, era. He is from a different time, but he's, he's relatively modern. And for him to, to write about these topics with this eloquence, and it's, mm. uh, as I said, just so effortless. It really, mm. uh, really is a monument to his his art and i really urge everybody that's uh hearing my voice right now to go and check out a poem uh from zarka bunny and maybe they might understand why he's as famous uh as he is oh definitely definitely um because like he does have you know a lot of other poems that are as short as this but he does have quite a few that are quite long very um and they're definitely definitely worth a read definitely yeah do you want to uh, do you want to highlight uh, some of his own characteristics as a person or uh, as a poet? Before Ooh, we okay, uh, I I do not feel like I'm qualified to make that ass- <laughs> <laughs> that assessment, so I will leave that up to you. Yeah, man, always always le- leaving for me the hard stuff. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, man, you know how this works. I take the easy stuff. You just deal with all the difficult things. Right, right, man. <laughs> 
So Nazar was, um, uh, I remember him, I remember I read an article about him that he's very controversial uh, as a poet because most of his poetry, a lot of it has some male uh, chauvinistic themes uh, that, you know, slowly with with the modern times, they're being very uh, included in the cancel culture. So anything Mm. that, um, that kind of resembles that old school that ideology of oh man is better than woman or it's the man who leads or something and I think these themes are, are very easy to spot in Nazar's poetry I think that in his poetry um, I think they're immune to being cancelled because if you do cancel them you lose a lot of the of the ideas and the art uh, with it and that's kind of you know that's a grievance on my part of uh, of modern times that everybody's trying to change poetry and art and mm. uh, what people said in different times just so that they can match uh, what's pleasing to their ear now and what's mm. acceptable or, uh, or or something that's that's not going to offend them or even try to offend them so i like that his his poetry it's it's a little bit edgy if you will mm. but it's not it's uh, it's it's saying something that's true um that's actually a brilliant point. And to like further that as well, in terms of his edginess um, and in terms of like the controversy is because like Nazar was born in like 1928 in like Syria and he passed away and correct me if I'm wrong in the nineties. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and a big part of his poetry, as you mentioned initially, mm-hmm. uh, you know, dealt with eroticism. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what's key to understanding is the fact that when Nazar was releasing, you know, these like this poetry, the Middle East and specifically, you know, Islamic culture was going through a shift, you know, that kind of that made it a bit more difficult to kind of express these thoughts. And the fact that he was able to create these beautiful works of art that touched upon these really controversial topics, in my opinion, was extremely brave, you know, and I think it definitely shows, it does offer a glimpse into history, because the cultural shift that I just talked about is fairly recent. Like it only really started around like the seventies, around the sixties, but before that, exactly. Like before that, the Middle East, Arab culture, Islamic culture was extremely, you know, liberated. It was extremely free. And, you know, Nazar's works that touch upon these topics is kind of like a time capsule of going back to a time where the culture was more open than it is currently. And yeah, as I said, it's just it it's it's a testament to bravery to be able to release this. Yeah, and I and, and I think that uh, the fact that he was more cultured and he understood more, and he came from mm. a time that understands uh, civilization and how people think, and he was very well versed in these things. Mm. That he he created some of the strongest poetry that actually uh, not liberated but empowered women. I, I I'm reading. I mean, yeah, that. no, because a big thing was like there were a lot of feminist. I, I want to say points that he made within his poetry. Yeah, some feminist uh, uh, p- points of view. And he also advocated for a lot of uh, social freedoms for, for women. Uh, some of his poems, he talks from a perspective of a woman, uh, kind mm. of like Shakespeare did in some of his uh, plays. Mm. Uh, so yeah, he, he's not really excluding women from this. They're a very not active. Yeah, the, quite the opposite. They're a very mm. active part of his poetry. And they show that even though that he may come from a time that uh, male chauvinism was very rampant, but mm. he, he he really transcended that with including a lot of uh, of the female element in his poetry. And it's great that you mentioned that because um, one of the 
key components, you know, of, I guess, like feminism in terms of like, you know, men adopting feminist stances is empathy, you know, and what greater form of empathy is there than taking, than stepping into a woman's shoes, you know, which is what Nizar did within his poetry, you know, and I think if anything, it's, it's a form of respect to be able to write, to create art from the perspective of another person. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I think that's also, that's, it's very easy to see that that's also part of why his poetry lives on to the day. And he's still mm. selling a lot of books and a lot of people are, uh, are reading his, his products and they're resonating with a lot of his themes. So mm. I think that he's here to stay, honestly. He's not going to go Art is immortal at the end of the day. You know, and if it's good art, it transcends time. Isn't that the truth? I swear to God. Ah, mean, man. Ah, mean. Respect. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode. If you have any more questions or inquiries, please don't hesitate to contact the podcast. And we will see you all next time. This has been Cooper and Hashim with the Arabic poetry of Nizar Khabbani. Thank you, and we'll see you next time. Versology is a student-led podcast from Middlesex University Dubai's Poetry Club. We publish new seasons every month. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at MDX Poetry for further updates and more original work by our members. This episode was edited by Anusuya Subramanian. And it was produced by Abigail Spencer. This season's cover art was also created by Anusuya Subramanian. The intro music is Hip Hop by Francisco Alvier. And the outro music is The Hamptons by Arulo. That's it for this episode. Thank you for listening to Osology.